0: Coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast.
1: I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, so that makes me like most Floridians. I'm from Ohio.
0: <laughs> right. I've been finding that out lately. From Anthony Bourdain from Parts Unknown in 2015, he said, It's really a lot like writing porn. After you've used the same adjectives over and over again, it's like the penthouse letters. Yeah. However- However, Chris, you did use the word monomaniacal in the second paragraph of the Golden Spoon Award, so I think you're probably still okay with adjectives.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But in restaurants, people are driven to in a way serve others. They they want to guy told me, he said it's it's what we do. We 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 make we make eating fun for people. And really today if you're going to be in a kitchen, you know it's like covering baseball, you better speak Spanish. Right. And, exactly. And, and not not to give not to give people orders, but to listen.
2: Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown.
0: Hi, I'm Kevin Godby.
2: And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today.
0: Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete.
2: And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should.
0: We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work.
2: On today's show, our featured guest is the food editor for Florida Trends magazine, Chris Sherman.
0: Chris decides the Golden Spoon Awards for Florida Trends, which covers the entire state of Florida.
2: After Chris, we stroll over to Greenstock, our favorite salad place for lunch. We, we have, have a great, great show, so stick
0: around. Hey, Lori. Have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there?
2: Pork belly pimento cheese and fried green tomatoes are
0: my favorite. Oh yeah, I love that one too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly, glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG.
2: Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I
0: love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a Best Eggplant Parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, best casual dining, best pizza, best Bloody Marys, best meatballs, and believe it or not, best salads.
2: Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah, the spaghetti and meatballs. It's
0: oh, so good. man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 10:30, which I love, and the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine and you can even get a regular old cheeseburger too so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends check out engine number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete their burgers can't be beat engine, engine nine. can you get me back on time Please welcome Florida Trend Restaurant Editor Chris Sherman. Welcome, Chris. Yes, welcome, Chris. Glad to be here with both of you. You have been a food journalist for pretty much most of your adult life.
1: Absolutely true.
0: So, <laughs> so you're pretty sure that is what you want to do?
1: Uh I don't know. I'm still, uh, still, still looking at some some new ideas. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> I'll be a highlight player. There you go.
0: <laughs> so just for our listeners, you have won numerous awards from the Association of Food Journalists and other organizations. You were a finalist in food criticism at the James Beard comp- as a James Beard competition nominee. You've been a member of the nominating panels for James Beard and the Slow Food Movement. Yes. And not only are you a lifelong food journalist, uh, you've also covered as a journalist murder trials. Politics, Country Music, Architecture, Black History, and that's for different newspapers and magazines in Washington, New York, Louisiana, and North Carolina.
1: Well, wow. And I actually did a bit of uh, uh, foreign correspondence. I was the uh, reporter for the smallest newspaper that covered the war in El Salvador. And then recently, I did recently- uh, the last Mexican elections uh, back in uh, oh uh, about six years ago.
0: wow. Oh, wow. Do, do you have a clone that I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do all that.
1: <laughs> and right now, I'm doing a bunch of things. but in addition to trend, I'm uh, I've been uh, a book publisher and I've been in the wine trade. And uh, right now I'm uh, toying with a novel, and other than that, I probably need to clean out the garage where I have huge <laughs> <with> maps <laughs> and old board games. That's pretty cool. Are you a board game uh, aficionado, collector? Yeah. Well, actually, I'm more more interested in the in the printing, and particularly the. The the old lithograph prints uh, in the U.S. and abroad. I just I'm just fascinated by the the idea of the games and the game construction and uh, as far as playing, it's only been recently that uh, people have gone back to some form of board playing. I mean, there right. was so right. much so much online. Virtual gaming, which was all pretty cool, but uh, a little bit more more complicated than I than I could manage. <laughs> right.
2: So, so where were you from originally, Chris?
1: I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, so that makes me like most Floridians. I'm from Ohio.
0: <laughs> right. I've been finding that out lately.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of Floridians from Ohio
0: and and other parts of the Midwest.
1: Yes. Yeah. On this coast, Ohio, and Michigan cover most of it. And one of the good things about my job over the, the years is that uh, just in Florida, I've I've been able to uh, get lost in all parts of uh, the Tampa Bay region and um, much of the state. So I've found, you know, where 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 the checks live, where the Finns settled. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. the, the wide variety of people who are here in what looks like white bread country.
0: Right. <laughs> it, yeah, it kind of does. But it is, I guess it is
1: kind of a somewhat of a hidden melting pot, I guess. Yeah. There's a big Ukrainian population that you you can find uh, in the north part of the Tampa Bay region, but mostly uh, down south, uh, closer to Naples. And if you want uh, pierogies, get down there and lend. Uh (laughs) Aha.
2: There you go. Thanks
1: for the tip. I love pierogies.
2: So what led you down this this line of work?
1: Well, I was a uh, traditional newspaper reporter and editor until probably, oh, I went to Louisiana and I was working for the smaller newspaper in town and the bigger newspaper had a restaurant columnist, uh, called the, the hungry reporter. My actual, <laughs> my actual job was, uh, uh, laying out the front page and, uh, doing some foreign writing. And so I became the well-fed reporter. <laughs> And after that, I sort of decided that I didn't like editing, but maybe I could find work just writing about food. And with that, I went to the Orlando Sentinel, and I became the food writer, uh, restaurant critic, and wine columnist.
0: That's pretty neat.
1: And from there, I came... uh, Four years later, I saw that the uh, St. Pete Times had an opening, so I came over here.
0: Yeah, and so you were at the St. Pete Times uh, starting in 1988, correct?
1: That sounds right, because <laughs> I, I was there for just shy of 20 years. Right. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you left uh, in two thousand six, and that was the Saint Pete Times, which is now the Tampa Bay Times, I think. Is that since maybe twenty ten or twenty eleven? Something like that. Well,
1: that. Yeah, I it it may still it may have been during the transition to the Tampa Bay Times. Right. But yeah, most of it was under the Saint Pete Times flag. Yeah. I, I
0: just remember that I moved to Saint Pete in two early 2009. And at that time, it was still the St. Pete times. And I remember right. soon after I moved here, they changed it to Tampa Bay times. Yeah. And then Florida trend, which you currently edit and write for is also owned by the Tampa Bay times.
1: It, it is indeed. At one time, the, the St. Pete times owned a little chainlet of magazines. There was Georgia trend and Arizona trend. Oh, cool. Florida trend has been around for 50 years and for about at least 35 years they had uh, they had restaurant coverage I think the principle was that if they were writing for Florida executives so to speak that uh, somebody in Tampa wouldn't know where to go in uh, Orlando or or uh, in Palm Beach, so mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. that was that was their thinking, and uh, we've we've kept it up with the the Golden Spoons, um, which I'm working on right now, uh, trying trying to assess probably the the top one hundred and fifty two hundred restaurants in
0: Florida. Wow, wow, is wow.
1: right. So,
0: I guess is that like pretty much a whole year project.
1: Well, I have to keep keep my eyes and ears open for a whole year. Yeah, that's right. a big job. I mean, I, I have to
0: admit, we struggle trying to cover everything just in St. Petersburg and surrounding area, and we, we include St. Pete Beach and a couple of surrounding areas. But for the whole state, wow.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a big, heavy job. And it's got to be really difficult during this time because there's a lot of restaurants, unfortunately, going out of business, I'm sure. Yeah,
0: trying to keep things up to
1: date. Yeah, it's hard. Well some somehow it's turned out that uh, I went through the list and only about four or five of the restaurants had closed up uh another five or six were j- just doing takeout but mm-hmm. m- either either I've been a been a brilliant uh, uh, <laughs> seer into the future or just that I think the really good restaurants, and I don't mean just in terms of quality, but those that have been around, those that have uh, some resources to fall back on, have have survived. But it is really tough out there,
2: and a lot of
1: good restaurants are probably not going to make it.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it, it is. hoping for the best. And, you know, I, I mentioned before that, you know, you were at St. Pete, St. Pete Times. That was 17 years. And in total, you've been a food journalist for for 31 years. And in my process of researching you, I saw that you a while back, 18 years ago, you interviewed Anthony Bourdain. And I want to talk about that in a moment. But it also made me think of a quote from him when I'm looking at how long you've been doing this and now I've only been writing professionally as a food writer and I'm not c- comparing myself to you but in only four years I can o- already relate to this quote from Anthony Bourdain from Parts Unknown in 2015 he said it's really a lot like writing porn after you've used the same adjectives over and over again it's like the penthouse letters yeah. however however, Chris you did use the word mono maniacal in the second paragraph of the golden spoon award. So I think you're probably still okay with adjectives.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's, I mean, that's what most porn is about. is.
0: <laughs> yeah. We just do food porn.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the, uh, the main question for most food writers, other than those who, who are just per- pursuing it to, to write it up as, as, you know, pornographic sensuality is that in any town uh, or any market you know after two or three years you've done most of what there is to do so it's 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 helpful if you can find a way to get out beyond that and actually a lot of food critics don't last more than three or four years in in any one town and then they're off exploring or they're doing working someplace five hundred miles away.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And is that just because they you run out of restaurants or everybody knows you and it's difficult to be anonymous?
1: Well it it's mostly that uh, you you've run out of out of out of restaurants. I mean that there are I mean in the old days there might be four or five good new (laughs) restaurants in a year. I mean, now, you know, it's more, more like 15 or 20, but after a while you've, you've pretty much uh, run the gamut, but restaurants do, do keep cropping up. I just did a piece for, for trend on restaurants that have uh, opened during the during the pandemic. So yeah. Wow. Right. There's a certain amount of uh, optimism or craziness in the, in the business. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I think, you know, one of the things that I learned, I I, I love uh, uh, psychology and have read several books on it. And uh, one of the things I learned is that optimism is like required for human existence. I can't remember how to explain it well, but anyway, yeah, the, the optimism, craziness, whatever you want to call it, uh, to be to stay sane and stay alive. You need a little bit of that, but yeah, it is amazing though how new places are opening during this time.
1: And the the good thing about uh, optimism in the restaurant business is that you can be optimistic about various trades or crafts. You know, maybe you want to help people or, or maybe you just want to make lots of money, but but in restaurants, people are driven to, in a way, serve others. They they want to. Guy told me he said it's it's what what we do. We 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 make we make eating fun for people. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, and I'm sure. You, yeah,
1: you have to be uh, driven by, in the old sense of the word hospitality you really Mm -hmm. want to be hospitable to people you want to welcome people and feed them it's like being an innkeeper or a publican and i think Mm it it's always an important sign of a of a restaurant or a restaurateur that they are basically generous
0: yeah and i'm sure you've heard this a lot too just going right along with what you were saying I've so frequently heard or read about different restaurateurs and chefs saying that they just some of the most satisfying parts of it are just feeding people, making people happy with their food.
1: Right, seeing their expressions. I mean, there's a sense that the manager, or the chef, walks around the restaurant occasionally to be to be praised, but they also they, they really enjoy seeing people having a good time. Right. Yep, exactly. Right. That they obviously contributed to. Exactly.
2: Exactly, right.
0: And Chris, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we got lots of really good stuff to talk about. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins... Or just mushrooms for vegetarians. And I'll have you saying, Ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete.
2: Do ya, Booyah? Hey, foodies, do you know about the Zest podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them, too.
0: They're part of the Tampa NPR station WUSF 89.7. On the Zest, you'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season.
2: The Zest podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency.
0: Just like us, the Zest podcast has interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida.
2: It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. Check out the Zest Podcast at thezestpodcast.com.
0: We are back! We are back! And we are back with Chris Sherman, the restaurant editor of Florida Trend Magazine and of the Golden Spoon Awards that's published every year. And we're going to get into that in and more of that in a moment. Uh, you also have. You've authored a couple of books and co-authored one. There's the buzz on wine from 2000 Florida eats, Florida eats. Uh, I think I wrote the wrong date. I put it yeah, that, w-
1: that was in, in Orlando. I'm not sure when that was, but
0: yeah. Uh, <clears throat> my notes say 1987, but I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but, and then you co-authored a book burns rare and well done. Uh, along with uh, Christina Laxer and Chris and David Laxer, the inside story of Tampa's iconic Burns Steakhouse along with recipes. And that's from 2015. Now I've not had a chance to see the book. So what part did you uh, have in, in that?
1: Well, we have a book publishing company in winter park and we've done books for Bella's, uh, for Mazzaro's uh, first watch. Oh, cool! Did you yeah. you did the Mazzaro's book?
2: You, I, I have yeah. the Mazzaro's book. Yeah. That's a great uh, book. It's
1: beautiful. And yeah, it, to some degree, there's a bit of bit of por- pornography. The food, food looks beautiful. <laughs> In fact, uh, we did yeah. a book for Four Rivers Barbecue, and uh, my wife, who is not a barbecue fan, thought it who it was absolutely gorgeous to to look at, and that's that's meat porn uh, but with <laughs> with burns I was able to sit down with uh, uh, Gert laxer and with David and Christina and I knew burn uh, when he was still alive and then i Talk to everybody in the in the kitchen. Most of the waiters, uh, and it's really just quite an organization. Uh, they have a, a system of ranking the waiters uh, up from beginning on up to captain, and I was I was able to sit in one evening after. The after business was closed, and listen as the uh, waiter captains uh interviewed or tested a young guy for, for an hour before they agreed that he oh wow, he could wear uh, <laughs> he could he could wear the the golden tie, which yeah,
0: oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, so <laughs> I they, had no that's idea about cool. that, yeah. So how, how how do they determine the hierarchy of waiters? Do they have to they they are passing tests or well, uh showing well, skills they, or some certification?
1: They they start start out uh as I don't know what the term is, but the trainees and they just they just mop the floors and uh conduct mm-hmm. some of the tours of the kitchen. Then if they can if they graduate to bar server they tend the best 10 bar and some uh, weight in the uh, in, in the in the lounge area then it goes up to uh, a gray tie a red tie and a gold tie and in each of these oh, wow. that's pretty cool is a decision by by uh, uh, the top two maitre d's, uh, the executive chef, chef and uh, a couple of the senior waiters.
0: Wow, that's really cool. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. And that ties in nicely with, um, I wanted to mention that 18 years ago, back in '02, you interviewed Anthony Bourdain, and that, that was in the St. Pete Times, March 20th, 2002, Blood, Sweat, and Spices, an interview with Anthony Bourdain, and you did that at La Teresita's Lunch Counter, which is still open in Tampa, Cuban cuisine. I've
2: eaten there many times, it's amazing.
0: And he was on a book tour, and you were interviewing him, and obviously um, people can Google and find to read it, but I did want to mention a couple of things, and one I didn't even have highlighted, but I remember it from what you were just saying when you were talking about the hierarchy of waiters at Burns. Anthony Bourdain in your interview said some, something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing because I couldn't find the exact paragraph right now, but he said, yeah, you can go to culinary school, but if you really want to learn, get a job as a dishwasher for a couple of weeks and see what really happens in the kitchen to see what see what the chef really has to do, like clean out the grease trap. Right. <laughs> but also there's just three paragraphs I did want to read from your interview with Anthony Bourdain. The great cooking of the world, what he calls the mama cuisines, are those that use everything and waste no part of the animals, fish, or crops, one reason he delights in the odd and the awful. Here we eat the chicken breast and throw the rest away, Bourdain says. The economy and efficiency of peasant life eventually led to what we now regard as fine cuisine. Pâtés, mousses, terrines, good stocks, dishes like sweetbreads, all came from a reluctance to waste. Any sophisticated culture, he says, eats fish heads, and many traditional cuisines include an unembarrassed carnivorous carnivorous carnivorousness that he delights in throwing up to vegetarians. Animals were hurt and killed in the making of this show, he says. (laughs) That was absolutely,
1: and uh, take chicken. Uh, One of the hot things right now is. not chicken breasts or chicken wings, but chicken thighs. I mean, there, there are yeah. mm-hmm. dozens of restaurants yep. that smoke thighs or whatever. And my, my personal favorite—I've uh, gone beyond thighs to backs. I think the back is a mm. neglected mm. Uh, delicacy, but yeah, absolutely. People people couldn't afford to th- throw away. Throw away any part of the animal, which is why we we had have now uh, the uh, whole animal, snout to tail, tail butchery that's uh, that's popular in 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 a number of cities. We've got one guy here uh, at Boozy Pig in Tampa who who specializes in that. But sure, and you look look at any. Any good fish recipe stew or whatever starts out with fish bones, mm-hmm. right? I remember talking to, I think it was John Folsey, uh, the chef from uh, from New Orleans, but he had traveled around around the world doing a lot of demonstrations. And I said, uh, "Well, which chefs impress you the most?" And he said, "The Russians." And I said, huh? And he said, yeah. He said, they take, yeah. they've only got one thing to work with, a sturgeon. And and <laughs> they managed to get so much out of it. So, yeah. And Bourdain, uh, I think, is absolutely right as far as training for chefs I, and really even training for, uh, for food writers is that I think, you need to start at the lowest level and and if you if you think you want to be a chef you need to see the work that goes into it and it is cleaning out the grease trap or having your head under the sub zero trying to f- fix the uh the computer panel right
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I know, I, I won't mention any names or places, but th- I know
1: a chef that had to fix the yeah. toilet up during his shift. <laughs> they yeah, right. They're, they're really sort of the equivalent of farmers. I mean, a farmer you know, does wonderful things with with nature, but farmers also have to be able to fix their tractor. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And Bourdain loved uh, La Terracida, and it's one of those things we used to Talk about well, if it, a lot of chefs came through, but if you had somebody you really cared about, where would you, where would you take them? You know, mm-hmm. can't always go all the way out to burritos, but uh, Ted, Ted Peters was <laughs> obviously a big favorite, and and they're still at it. They are.
0: Yeah, I love it how you can you can smell the uh, smoke from Ted Peters when you're like still yeah. like a thousand feet away uh, still. <laughs>
1: Sell, sell the sizzle. Sell the sizzle, yeah.
2: right.
0: <laughs> so we did mention that you, you've been doing this for a long time. And what are some of the biggest changes you've seen to food writing, the food scene, and the American palate over the past decades? And are they good changes or bad changes?
1: In your opinion. <laughs> yes. Well, you, you, you're not talking about the the new... Uh, philly cheesesteak potato chips from lays are you <laughs> no i didn't even know about that. <laughs> no.
0: that, that that might
1: be one of the bad changes i'm not sure might be. <laughs> well i think in the last 30 or 40 years the way i see it the uh the american palate has uh has grown immensely uh I think probably one of the biggest biggest changes in in my life has been that calamari is now a staple. I mean, the kids are eating squid. I mean, (laughs) uh, right. But I think we've we've learned the presentation and the joy of uh, of real fresh ingredients from the Japanese. I think the Mexicans mm-hmm. have taught us wonderful ways to play with food. I mean, how you can fold a tortilla seven different ways and make seven different dishes. And, <laughs> and the Italians, of course, have taught us the value of really slow food, uh, slow cooking, uh, which are parents and grandparents knew, but we didn't know about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And today, thanks to immigration and travel, we, uh, we eat food from, from everywhere. And, uh, you know, tacos are, tacos have been a mainstay for 40 years. And they're now, they're now having, having a new, new moment. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I think there's, to me, the best thing that's happened in in restaurants and has not really quite broken into home cooking, but we're working on it, is uh, is vegetables. I mean, that's always been, to me, the sign of a great restaurant. And for years, the people who did the mobile five-star, like, to be a five-star restaurant... You had to have many things, but one of them was distinctive side elements to every entree. And right, uh, right. now we've learned uh, about parsnips, about uh, Brussels sprouts, uh, about bok choy, uh, and, and the, one of the stars on modern menus is carrots. I know. Yeah. All
2: different colored
0: you, ones. <laughs> in, in last year's Golden Spoon Awards, you said the comeback vegetable of the year, the carrot, roasted, charred, or sauced with brown butter.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, it it and definitely is. Cauliflower is uh, had its moment, but uh, it, yes. it's, mm-hmm. it's coming back. And really, this has always been true that for a vegetarian, you got the best vegetables at really the most expensive restaurants which were often which were not vegetarian at all but if you asked the chef to make a vegetable plate they had good vegetables and that's certainly much more common today i mean i see i see vegan dishes as well as vegetarian dishes on almost every every good menu
2: right Right, for sure.
0: Yeah, interestingly, you, you made me think too when you were talking about the Mexican food. Also in your interview with Anthony Bourdain, he said something to the effect that the best chefs come from Mexico. That probably pissed off some French people.
1: Well, no, abs- absolutely. I mean, I I know of no really good chef who doesn't talk to, listen, and take advice from the guys in the kitchen, in many cases, uh, dishwashers and say, well, how did your mama make it? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it, and really today, if you're going to be in a kitchen, you know, it's like covering baseball. You better speak Spanish. Right. Exactly. and, (laughs) And not, not to give, not to give people orders, but to listen. And you'll see, in almost any restaurant today italian french whatever the guys in in the kitchen are are mexican and mm-hmm. and they have now moved on to the point where you know they're now managing and starting their their own restaurants and uh, and i think
0: they start start at the bottom and came up the know, ladder
1: and I think it's unfortunate that uh we haven't had that much luck a similar degree with with all minorities some minorities still still regard it as uh low class work but it's it it's good work and it's uh and like I said, plenty of people have gone gone to the top from there so
2: mhm mm-hmm. right.
1: So no conversation
0: would be complete with you without talking about the Golden Spoon Awards, and as far as I know, it's probably one of the biggest restaurant awards as it covers the entire state with multiple categories. And you know we've we've talked about a renaissance of restaurants in St. Pete, and what I one takeaway I got from your write up on Golden Spoons for at the end of 2019 was you're saying pretty much the same thing about Florida overall, really.
1: Yes, uh, I think. Uh really the some of the most exciting innovative cuisine is from jacksonville all the way across the panhandle
0: mm-hmm. we
2: just recently went to jacksonville last year and yeah. we were so surprised yeah it was
0: actually last year in august i think yeah, we went was. to jacksonville and we're like wow we had no idea we were in for such a uh, foodie restaurant yeah.
1: treat. um but uh yeah saint pete has grown uh marvelously and the problem with the golden spoons is uh i can't pick more than four or five restaurants from any one city city. it's not like this is a list of all the great restaurants to eat in that town uh or this is just all the expensive restaurants in that town um so when you figure that You've got Pensacola, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa Bay, Sarasota, Naples, South Florida, and and the mm-hmm. Keys. And if if you all want to want to treat yourself on another adventure, uh, go to Naples. Naples mm-hmm. is really far far from what it used to be. I mean, it's not just mm-hmm. uh, the Ritz-Carlton food f- for the rich, but uh, mm-hmm. they've got some terrific Italian food. They've got a, a really good Persian restaurant with a cocktail bar and out out on the street. I mean, t- there's, there's just a lot going everywhere. I found a wonderful restaurant couple of, well, I guess it was last year in in Winter Haven.
2: Wow. And
1: uh, I have friends from Winter Haven who were were stunned, but this guy had been uh, he was uh, Argentine and he had worked in Miami, uh, maybe for Michelle Bernstein, but he had uh, he and his wife I think she was from Lakeland they they took a little ranch house and were making uh, really uh, really pretty stunning food and making it from scratch is cheeses and pâtés and good stuff
0: that's nice that's so you chose you did choose 5 Places in St. Pete for Golden Spoon Awards. And this includes there's you have Golden Spoon winners. This is 2019. This is 2019. Yeah. You have Hall of Fame winners. And Hall of Fame is when you've been a Golden Spoon winner many times. Right. And then the best new restaurants. We have Anata with a Golden Spoon, Bomb Avenue Market, best new. And what that was, was that before Karma took over? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Il Retorno, Golden Spoon. Marshawn's Golden Spoon Hall of Fame and Park Shore
1: Grill Golden Spoon. Well, I think uh, obviously this year there hasn't been hasn't been as many uh, new restaurants for the for the newcomers category, but uh, I think uh, I think uh, Baba is mm-hmm. is is very sharp uh, and. Um I'm not sure how long Bacchus has been in in operation. I think they're they're little under a year I think. I think they're very sharp. They have they have sardine toast and sar- sardines mm-hmm. are one of the unsung heroes uh, of who, who do you like uh, what do you think is nifty and new?
0: Well for well not new we're going to definitely agree with Il ritorno and Anata. And Park Shore. Yes. Those are three of our favorites out of the five that you picked. Yeah. And let's see, new- um, Seaworthy. Seaworthy, yes. Yeah. Seaworthy and Tierra Verde. It's, um, it's called, Jason Ruhe from uh, Brick and Mortar. Brick and
2: Mortar's chef and
0: owner. We finally got there about a week or so ago. Yeah. It was great. How about Trophy Fish? Do you like Trophy Fish? I think that's- It's not really new, though. Yeah.
2: That's about two years-
0: yeah, we we do like them. The only thing with us is we are Florida people that don't like the heat. And so, it's too hot so, so to eat there most we, of the time. We only go there like in December. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: but we did like the we liked it when we've yeah. been there. Yes, uh,
1: and really, one other thing that has changed is uh, the incredible revolution behind the bar and the bar programs are a tribute to uh, I think the the skill and the imagination of the people behind the bar who for years got didn't get a second look unless unless they were uh, costumed inappropriately uh, but uh-huh. yeah but
2: and now they're all mixologists
1: almost every every bar worth its name has at least one great bartender. It has clever specialty drinks and has a back bar full of interesting uh, liquors and uh, call brands. And I, my, my particular standard used to be I, I checked to see how good the rum selection was, and now I've moved on to gin. I don't know what that says. Nice. And,
2: now you're in Kevin's and, territory. And the other thing that
1: <laughs> is always a treat for me is uh, the Amaros and the other Italian after-dinner drinks or, or before drink, before dinner.
0: Times. <laughs> so, Yeah. So, Chris, I'm in downtown St. Pete, and every day I look at the main office for the Tampa Bay Times and Florida Trend right outside my window. And I how often do you get to the office
1: in the last 6 months almost almost never uh but generally i i go into the trend offices uh a couple of times a, a month and uh and and largely it uh, it, it gives me a, a chance to uh, to eat around downtown and uh and i should also say that Downtown is an example of, you know, some very smart chains. I think uh, uh, Maple Street Biscuits and Hawkers are just terrific outfits, and they uh, Mm -hmm.
0: are—they
1: are God love them chains. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, they are right. Right. We we agree with you on that too. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris Sherman from Florida Trend, thank you so much.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Chris. Okay, thank you. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Burt Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' has a cafe open daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today.
0: Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North, and in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North MacDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollin'oats.com.
2: That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup.
0: I've said before that I love salad. Because when I was a kid, my mom made it every night for dinner. And I eat it all the time.
2: I make it a lot of times for you.
0: You do. You make really good salads, too, yeah. Speaking of salads, this segment is sponsored by Greenstock, which is a chef-driven and ingredient-focused salad wraps fast casual eatery right in the heart of downtown st pete everything is fresh nothing comes out of a can and you can actually see all the ingredients right in the case there, there are even full ears of unshucked corn and those gorgeous looking roma tomatoes yes and green stocks what's for lunch today it is what'd you get Lori?
2: well i'm working my way with through the you inspired menu building my own
0: mm-hmm. you
2: inspired salads and they
0: got a lot of really cool ingredients to play with too
2: They do. Today's was delicious. I got the small. You have a choice of small or large, and then you Mm. add your ingredients to that. I had the romaine and spinach with cucumbers, tomatoes, beets, edamame, pickled red onions, watermelon radish, wasabi peas, sunflower seeds, bacon, and a miso ginger dressing. And I had it tossed, not chopped.
0: Right. And it's great that they have that Option to make up your own because you're real good at that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you let me try it and it was really good. It It was was, delicious. Did you mention the dressing?
2: I did, the miso ginger. That one's one one of my favorites. Definitely one of my favorites too, for sure.
0: Their dressings are so good. So I had the off the menu, the Mexi Fresh, which is romaine, baby arugula, watermelon radish, corn, jicama, tomatoes, pickled red onion, black beans, with a cilantro, lime, garlic, vinaigrette. And I added the protein of cold fried chicken. Right, I love the combination of Mexican-inspired ingredients, and what I really loved was the dressing. I'm not usually impressed with cilantro-lime dressings. I think they're usually too lime-forward, Right, but this one was garlic-forward in the best way possible. Nice. And by the way, all of the dressings are made from scratch in-house at Greenstock. So check out Greenstock on the 400 block of Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They have contactless ordering and pickup. And they are open 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Saturday. You can also order on their website, which is eatatgreenstock.com. greenstock.com. We have three new items on the website. There's a review of the newly opened Cellar Masters. It's a wine bar and retail shop in the Edge District on the 10-hundred block of First Avenue North. We also have two exciting news items. St. Pete Meat and Provisions is a new venture from the owners of Il Retorno and Greenstock with restaurant-quality meats and other food items where you order online and have contactless pickup at Greenstock on the 400 block of Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. We also have an announcement of a new restaurant opening. The owners of Grace Restaurant in Paso Girl Beach, they are opening two Graces on the 6,000 block of Central Avenue where the Reading Room used to be. That's right next to Freefall Theater. You can see all of that on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the podcast, we'll be talking to Janet Keeler. She is an instructor and coordinator for the Food Writing and Photography Certificate Program in the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg. If you'd like to send us fan mail, hate mail, or have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com.
2: That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks to our guest, Chris Sherman.
0: And thanks to Greenstock for lunch.
2: Thanks to our sponsors, Rolling Oats, The Zest Podcast,
0: Noble Crust,
2: Booyah Ramen, and, and Engine, Engine Number 9. 9.
0: Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band.
2: We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com
0: please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot
2: and your bubbly cold.
0: Do you say the people who order meat well done may get the tougher cuts of meat? Why? Traditionally, well done eaters get get very little respect from the kitchen. We assume that if you order your steak well done, you're really not going to notice if it's the, the the nervy, tendony chunk. You you want it incinerated into a, a hockey puck? Uh, we're, we're we're clearly not going to give you that. So when you say you know, I want it well done, you're really saying I really don't. Please give me your lesser cut. Please give me your lesser cut. Really. Yeah.